Hey guys, this is Pete. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug for my debut novel entitled Frankenstein, A Life Beyond. It's the first direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic and follows Ernest Frankenstein, the sole survivor of the original book. Like mystery, adventure, romance, horror, then this is the ebook for you. Check it out today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, EnceladusLiterary.com. That's E N C E L A D U S Literary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. is great when can we move in you've got to try this poll i'm gonna get my stuff with your host pete you know it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment i blame myself so do i and greg you know you don't act like a scientist they're usually pretty stiff you're more like a game show host and we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. This job is definitely not worth 11.5 a year. All right. We're recording for Ghostbusters. Recording on behalf of Harold Ramis and a dog. <laughs> and a caveman. <laughs> and, a, and a caveman. <laughs> and we're back. the beginning. Yes. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> we're back for Ghostbusters. And we're very excited about it because we both have to talk about it at the same time. <laughs> but we're here to talk about a Ghostbusters reboot. Or sequel, or or hopefully nothing. Maybe we don't know yet. <laughs> well, we know what we what we would like and not like. So I guess we're going to be getting into both of those things. Exactly. We, we we can jump right into that. We can bury the lead by saying that we are not going to go the route of sequel necessarily. We're going to go the route of reboot with a hint of universe existing. Maybe we'll we'll make a few ties here and there, but yeah. <laughs> But the real reason that we're bringing Ghostbusters to the forefront now, and and who knows, somebody's going to listen to this on a podcast three years from now and it won't care. But right now, in the earliness of 2014, Harold Ramis just died. And so that brought us to the forefront of thinking about the inevitable, they're going to do something with Ghostbusters soon. Yeah, yeah and um, you know, all the tributes and... Uh, remembrances and everything that have been happening. They've uh, obviously been mentioning Ghostbusters along with some of his other key films like Caddyshack and uh, Groundhog's Day and things of that nature. And, yeah, we we just started kind of talking about it. I mean, we're both, I think it's fair to say, big fans of him 
uh, his comedy writing, uh, you know, just everything we've ever heard just sounds like it was a great person and everything to know, and he will be missed. Um, but it got us kind of thinking about, well, all right, in the age of the reboot and sequelization and everything like that, what do we feel is ripe to be revisited sometime in the near future? And I guess we just kind of settled on Ghostbusters. Yeah, and not to mention he looks just like a guy we went to college with. <laughs> well, well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> so if we stop calling him Harold Ramis and start calling him Pollock, then we'll we'll know why. But well, did he did he collect spores, molds, and fungus? Though <laughs> I, I think so. Maybe I don't know. I'm I'll ask sure. him. <laughs> I don't know all about it, but uh, I haven't seen him in 15 years. So yeah, the the Harold Ramis side of this is uh, very influential on my growing up because one of my favorite movies of all time, growing up. Well, I, most of his movies I saw repeatedly, but Stripes I love. Oh, I forgot Stripes. Yeah, I, I I love that Stripes. Vacation was was fantastic, and that was him directing. And Ghostbusters is just that seminal film of our youth that everyone has as a touchstone. I think so. It's interesting to go back and look at his his uh, his oeuvre, his list of, of credits, and just realize just how much the man contributed, but. Last but not least for me, and we can get into this some other podcast, but I'd say in my top four or five favorite movies of all time is Groundhog Day. Mm. And it's one that has grown over time. I liked it when it first came out, but over time, repeated watchings and seeing just how well it holds up, it is right up there as one of my favorites of all time. Well, the interesting thing to me about that movie is you can kind of come back to it as you you know, age and change and have different life experiences. And I think you kind of get different things out of it at different times. Um, at least that's been my experience with it. But Yeah. But we're not here to talk about Groundhog Day. Nope. Not we're, today. We're here for Ghostbusters. Are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. It'll just keep going. It does. It just keeps no going. It's no end. That was the, the worst episode of Oprah I ever saw on a <laughs> random afternoon is when Oprah Winfrey had on 80 acts from the 80s and she brought on Ray Parker Jr. to sing Ghostbusters and y'all you out there know the song. The song doesn't end. It's faded <laughs> out by a producer. When you're on a television broadcast and you're live, the song doesn't end. <laughs> so, so it's it's literally just asking the question over and it's over again. Ray Parker Jr. shrugging his shoulders like Ice Cube going, who are you uh, going to call? Can one of your producers call this, please? <laughs> who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? He's finding every way to pronounce every word. <laughs> that was terrible. But... To the the task at hand, Ghostbusters. Now, there's been years and years and decades of mainly Dan Aykroyd jumping out there and <laughs> saying, "We're oh yeah, we're gonna make a Ghostbusters three And everyone else involved going, "Nah, not so much. Nah, not so much." And every once in a while, you hear Dan Aykroyd saying, oh, "There's gonna be one." And somebody made a good point when there were articles popping up about Harold Ramis dying. It was funny that Dan Aykroyd actually posted on his Facebook page saying, well, there was a Ghostbusters 3, and it's called Ghostbusters the Video Game because uh, Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd actually wrote the dialogue for the Ghostbusters video game that came out a few years ago, which I played it, and it wasn't very good. 
So I think that might <laughs> be I proof. I didn't play it. Yeah, I didn't play it, so I can't weigh in. Yeah, so that, that might be proof that uh, it might maybe because the gameplay wasn't too good, but that might be proof that eh, thank God we might have not <laughs> gotten the full blown sequel. Well, that's kind of interesting, too, when we were going through and we were kind of discussing his films and everything. Obviously, there's no direct sequel to Stripes. There was a um, very bad sequel to Caddyshack. Um, You have lots of vacation movies that are out there and everything. But in general, a lot of these movies that we're talking about at most just have a sequel. And in most cases, not a very good one. No. And Ghostbusters 2, for all of its hopes and dreams kind of flamed out in a disastrous, I think, (laughs) studio uh, taking control. And not to mention that throughout this, there's one guy that whose name is going to come up or probably not come up, but it should is there's one guy who gets a lot of credit, but I think he gets too much credit and he shouldn't be given any further credit. Hint, hint, shouldn't be involved anymore, is Ivan Reitman. (laughs) That guy did, he directed Stripes, and he directed Ghostbusters. Now, without going to IMDb, any other movie that I can think of that Ivan Reitman directed is absolute dog shit. <laughs> it's just <laughs> awful and he just there's a way about his movies now ever since early 90s that just has this sense of dry we thought there was humor here but he didn't push for humor he just pushed to do this in one take and move on kind of a thing and so well, the last the last Ivan Reitman directed movie I remember watching was a little film called Evolution uh, but you saw my super ex-girlfriend, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I forgot he was involved in that. Yeah. They just somehow become muddled and kind of incoherent, and they don't seem to know what they want to do. And so they're just going in all kinds of directions going, well, this could be funny, but maybe, oh, wait, no. Oh, uh, oh, we're moving on to this thing now. He's the man that takes wonderful concepts and burns them to the ground slowly and sure, but surely through an hour and a half of film. It's a really good concept. Let's give it to Ivan Reitman and watch it turn into poop. <laughs> let's talk, let's talk about a good Ivan Reitman directed movie here. The original Ghostbusters. Hey. Now was this one that you saw in the theater or when, <laughs> look, when... At that, look at that segue, bringing us back to top. Oh man, I'm telling you, <laughs> we'll, we won't, we won't delve too far down that other path. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll delve into that next week. <laughs> I believe I saw Ghostbusters in the theater, but like everybody else, saw it on VHS 8 billion times throughout the 80s, so much so that it is just... I think there's probably five or six just touchstones for everyone who had a VHS in the 80s, of VCR <laughs> in the 80s, that everyone knows every line to Ghostbusters, Back to the Future... Um, that that kind of mid early to mid 80 run that we kind of got into there yeah yeah certain films indiana jones back to the future ghostbusters gremlins goonies it's just all there everyone knows it but it it just it was it was the seminal touchstone it was uh, the the history that i know of of it it was originally dan Aykroyd and john belushi and Aykroyd going crazy with his big 
gigantic monsters and these guys are already ghostbusters in the future and it's crazy sci-fi and thankfully harold ramus came on board and said let's back that up a little bit (laughs) (laughs) so i think that's why their partnership worked so well because it was Ackroyd's crazy off the wallness brought down to earth by harold ramus and that's so what we see in nothing but trouble Oh, yes. That's Dan Aykroyd off the hook. Doing <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, run amok. Yeah. And run into the ground of awful. <laughs> Another tangent we're not <laughs> No. To. No more tangents. Uh, so Ghostbusters. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, for me, I didn't see it in the theater. I, I saw it on VHS as well and everything. But I think actually I might have... Um, you know, those little scholastic book fairs that would come through or something like that. I might have actually like gotten my hands on one of those little scholastic books about the movie first. And I can't remember. I might have even seen because uh, there were two uh, cartoon versions. Um, the one that actually followed the movie closer was called The Real Ghostbusters. And then you had another one just called Ghostbusters. I guess some other people like beat them to the punch as far as getting uh the rights to that for the animated stuff but uh yeah i might have actually seen an episode or two of those first before i saw the movie but yeah it very quickly became you know like you were saying just one of those kind of seminal films that uh you know everybody knows and enjoys and it, yeah it, it's it still is it's still a touchstone when you think 84 you think some people think beverly hills cop or whatever but i think ghostbusters comes more to the forefront for most people but and it's in the business side, Sony Pictures, which is now what Columbia used to be, they're obviously going to look and say they have their superhero franchise and Spider-Man, that's what they're holding on to, and they're going to make a movie every three years. What else have they got in the coffers? They're going to have Ghostbusters come up again. And there was a couple of the, the things that were floating around a few years ago were the new script for Ghostbusters 3 is going to be a new ragtag band, and the old guard is going to show up and teach them the ropes and hand it off or something. And when we talked about this the other day, we talked about, well, that's a good idea in theory, but maybe it should be more Charlie's Angels eyes. <laughs> let's acknowledge that they existed but we don't need them we don't need dan Aykroyd shuffling in to tell us what's going on let's just get on with it and see the new guard new guard do ghost busting thing well we we uh obviously just mentioned some of you know why we or our connection with the original film and everything like that i think you had a very nice balance with the cast uh, I think tonally it was cohesive and everything. Uh, just a good, solid script, obviously. What was it in the sequel that we can kind of get into here? What was missing in that one? Because you had all the original cast members back. It It's almost like it, it got too cartoony. Like the, the first one ran such a wonderful line between being a live-action cartoon having a little bit of a semblance of of horror, having some edgy humor, and it was cut tighter, I guess. But I I don't know. I mean, the second one just seemed to be a a lot of it floating along on the the charismatic back of Bill Murray. And, hey, look, there's a a baby here, and then we've got our... Slime! (laughs) 
Yeah, and that, a painting. <laughs> there, yeah, there's the biggest difference. Peter McNichol did everything he could to make that crazy character, the Janusz, whatever, with his crazy accent, work. But the, that's the biggest difference. In the first one, the antagonist to the Ghostbusters was Walter Peck, and you only ever saw the guy in one or two scenes when he was with one of the Ghostbusters. So the first movie was all about these four guys. That was it, or these three guys, then four. Because we got to bring on the token black guy. Why not? We're missing Ernie <laughs> Hudson. And I think that's where the diversion happens in the second one is suddenly there's full scenes of Sigourney Weaver with her baby, Annie Potts and Rick Moranis, Janusz in a painting. And there's, what, what would you say, maybe 15, 20% of the movie where you do not see Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, or Ernie Hudson, nor are they mentioned or anything whatsoever. So it's Ghostbusters 2, more people. It should have been the <laughs> subtitle. <laughs> uh, to me, it was just always, it wasn't fun. It was just tonally off. Um, you had this kind of emotional baggage between the Peter Venkman character and Dana because of what had happened with their relationship, which we never saw. Um, so, you know, we weren't really invested in that. Uh, like you said, there are big swaths of the film where the people who we came to see just aren't there. Um, I, I'm sorry, the the painting for the villain does not work uh, as compared to uh, our little Zool mystery there in the first one. I mean, there wasn't really any mystery with the second one. It was just, hey, there's a bunch of slime and there's this evil painting and I guess the painting and the slime are connected and the explanation for the existence of the slime didn't make any damn sense. Yeah, it just wasn't People in New York are mean, and so there's a big river of slime, and it does evil things because there's a painting controlling it. What? <laughs> I think and it's, it's showing the early parts of that Ivan Reitmanisms of just taking something that could be funny, and it's almost like he wants to do the exact opposite of what a, a scene on paper starts off being funny, and as soon as Ivan Reitman gets a hold of it, he finds a way to make it the least funny version it can be. <laughs> and that seems to be the beginning of that in that movie where you think, okay, on paper, there's some scenes in here where the four Ghostbusters are going to be with a dancing toaster that's full of <laughs> slime. And what's Ivan Reitman do? He's going to find every take of each actor that is the worst, driest, least funny take and put that in the film. So suddenly it turns into some ridiculous cartoon version where everyone's watered down when you think, okay, five years prior to this, th these guys would have found a way to riff off of this and make it a lot more funny than just one or two vaguely funny lines. So it just got too many hands in the pot, I think, both in character and the production probably is what cost it. That's my guess. Yeah. Could be, could be. Did you think the effects were as good in the second movie? It's. Are you talking about Bobby Brown's hair? <laughs> <laughs> He's no Ray Parker Jr. Well, there is only one Ray Parker Jr. Well, you wonder is that were there digital effects thrown in, or they? I mean, the, you still had the first Ghostbusters still had all opticals, all mm -hmm. physical effects. 
where you, you in 89 you've got that weird era where you're just starting to leave physical and move into digital world but you're not there yet so eh, you can't think of the effects it's more of the you know let's just do one more pass at this script kind of a problem like can we just do one more draft one more draft where we don't have the guys singing goofily out from the walking statue of liberty (laughs) uh yes Again, a scene that on paper sounds good, but then execution, I think Ivan Reitman got a hold of it. And it didn't it just fell apart on in execution. I don't know. There were some scenes where I felt felt like, you know, you were seeing the gang together and they seemed happy to be there, but more often than not, and again, this may just be me reading something into it that's not actually there. I just felt like sometimes they were all looking at the clock going, Is this production done yet (laughs) (laughs) well and there you go you throw in a good idea i never even thought of before is the characters didn't have any conflict the four the four (laughs) guys had a conflict when they were covered in slime and went oh i hate you and then oh i'm sorry i'm sorry and ackroyd threw in his canadianism (laughs) oh i'm so sorry oh vakeman oh i'm sorry (laughs) but there was no real conflict between the guys and no, it, there there should have been more of a if this were done now, uh, you know, say the original Ghostbusters was done in 2004 by 2009, if they were doing done doing Ghostbusters two, there would have been more time spent on the relationship between the four guys. We were still in the 80s where it was just it was it was one of those given there's our superhero group. They are what they are. Now let's build everything around them, and they'll just be what they are going to be. Yeah, about the only conflict in there was, you know, well, what's going to happen between Peter and Dana? Yeah. and That was, that was it. <laughs> and, and we keep harping on this in every one of our episodes here of the modern storytelling versus that storytelling from the 80s, but I think there's some validity to it because the modern televi- television storytelling is – Let's get into the characters we created and create the conflict between them. So, uh, hell, you could have done uh, a, a callback. You, Ghostbusters 2 could have been uh, the, the, the antagonist ghost spirit is the spirit of Dan Aykroyd's uh, mother who he mortgaged her home for when, he <laughs> left, when they left her the home. And it got foreclosed on or something, and the, the ghost of his mother came back. Or or the, the random, awkward, original Ghostbusters scene where the the uh, ghosts came and unzipped Ackroyd's pants for some reason. <laughs> come now back we'll into play. we'll get the story of this ghost. <laughs> Why is this here? <laughs> oh, God. Now you're, now you're making me think of Ghostbusters the prequel. Thank goodness that never happened. No, not the prequel. The actual, <laughs> just the sequel. So there you go. If we were going to redo, I mean, the the point of our episode here is to say, let's do a Ghostbusters now. But Mm -hmm. a a good little exercise is Ghostbusters 2, what went wrong? And I think my point of view, that's it. They didn't deal with the four guys. They just treated it like, okay, here's our Marx Brothers crew. They're up and ready to go. So let's start 
throwing them into some wacky adventures and deal with all the other people around them instead of, well, what if uh, Pete Venkman pissed off Harold Ramis, which I think Bill Murray and Harold Ramis actually did have a falling out in real life. But what if, what what if Egon and and Pete Venkman were pissed at each other, and or did something, or they uh, Winston Zeddemore felt left out because <laughs> he he did all the heavy lifting for the least amount of money, and plus he felt racially. Well, here's here's an interesting question. I mean, I don't think you really needed it um, in the first movie necessarily, especially for when his character came in and everything. But does Winston Zeddemore really exist as a character? No, it could have been. (laughs) We could have found out a little bit more about Winston. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, he's just the other guy who joined up over halfway through the movie. Yeah. So there's the problem that that. That's the real problem with that, with Ghostbusters 2 is not enough with the four guys and more with useless add-on characters. And if you did more with interpersonal play between the four guys, you could leave all the characters they've got and it would probably be a better film with everything existing, just making the interplay between the four guys more than just, well, we're back <laughs> again. It's basically the Star Trek model. You've got, well, you got four in the case of Ghostbusters, but you've got your, uh, from the original series, you always want the kind of focus to be on the triumvirate there of uh, Kirk, Bones, and Spock. And kind of the same thing here, I think, is what we're saying with keeping the focus on the main guys. On Venkman, Stance, and Spengler, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these guys have been through enough that, Maybe make an explanation for the throwaway joke of handing Egon a baby Ruth in the first movie and find out what that <laughs> the hell is that about. Maybe Egon's a diabetic or something. I don't know. Because he's earned it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, and I don't know. Personally, um, when we started talking about this and everything, we said, okay, we don't need to bring everybody under the sun back for this thing which is something that they obviously they were very conscious of and you know it was a very tried and true method with sequels and um that kind of writing but you know we we can leave janine and lewis and some of these other side people you know they're fine back in the 80s (laughs) we don't need to bring them back now it's okay okay yeah so let's say it's 2014 we Sony Pictures says, okay, we're bringing Ghostbusters back. Let's bring Ghostbusters back. My thought was the Charlie's Angels method of the Charlie's Angels movie in 2000 is is if you just watch the movie without paying a whole lot of attention, you won't realize that the writers of that movie actually made it exist within the same universe as uh, uh, what's her, what's her face? Uh, Barbie doll poster pinup girl, um, Farrah Fawcett. Oh, there you go. You know, so Farrah Fawcett, Jacqueline Smith, and other. Other, (laughs) yeah, I can't even think of. I'm sitting here racking my brain who else is on there. If you paid attention, you would realize that the guys who made Charlie's Angels, you know, Farrah Fawcett's character is out there somewhere in that universe that Cameron Diaz and Drew Barrymore and Lucy Liu are in. They just aren't mentioned because it's unnecessary and it's taken that this is just a franchise that's moving forward. The only connection being the guy on the voice box is the same. So they didn't do a clean reboot and it worked because they didn't, they, they did 
what they wanted to do, had fun with it, and did their callbacks to the original without being overbearing with it. And it wasn't until the sequel that they, well, let's bring in cameos from the original Angels for some reason. So, I mean, it, that would also free us. I mean, you know, obviously the New York um, setting works fine, um, especially in the original movie and everything like that. But if you had this more franchise mentality and everything like that, you could even change up the setting. It wouldn't have to be in New York for a third film. Yeah, but I think New York is such a part of it that you'd almost – I don't think you could get away with it. I think Ghostbusters in New York is such a ingrained kind of a thing. But, yeah, I mean, you could do it anywhere. And, you know, suddenly it's Los Angeles Ghostbusters or where's the tax breaks? It's Romania Ghostbusters or something. So, San Francisco Ghostbusters. Exactly. And then you can cast whoever it is you want and you don't have to worry about is Bill Murray going to show up and and tell these guys what to do? Well, no. It, Louis Tully and Janine run the show or something and so one of their kids gets a token job who or, or one of their their uh Janine and Lewis's only child is like a super duper athlete who is completely polar opposite of them or, or something. And then you can That'd actually be kind of fun, yeah. And then you bring on the the new the Seth Rogan or whoever is the hot comedian of the moment. You bring them on to essentially do what you did with Winston in the first movie. Janine and Lewis are just hiring the next round of people to run the Ghostbusters franchise out of Los Angeles or something. And that's it. It's just a it's a going into business story, just like the first movie, mm-hmm. except it's not starting from scratch because the franchise is already set up. So we do this meta all right, here we are outside in the movie world. The franchise is set up. And within the movie, the franchise is set up. We acknowledge it. We move on. So we don't have to spend another half an hour seeing the same shit we did in 1984 of <laughs> how do we get money for this? How do we pay for it? Here's our first call. We don't have to do that. It's Charlie's Angels thing. Just jump in. You acknowledge it existed. We just get on with it. So we don't have to see the same thing over again. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a reboot sequel or something. There's got to be a phrase for it we'll create. Rebootical? Yeah, it's a rebootical. <laughs> rebootical. <laughs> Hello, rebootical. <laughs> that sounds like my Uncle Marty's friend. Rebootical. <laughs> ah, that's a, yes, there you go. So our rebootical of Ghostbusters. And then if you want to have somebody show up or you put a picture on the wall or... Uh, you get a phone call from Dan Aykroyd. Hell, it can be a Skype chat. You wouldn't even have to go to wherever Dan Aykroyd is. They could run into some problem or something like that. And you can't find the answer in Tobert Spirit Guide, but that crazy Dan Aykroyd retired Ray and his <laughs> occult shops got what you need. Yeah, and you just have this funny cameo sequence with whatever's behind him is a bunch of callback stuff that you can have fun with in the Skype chat. And it's, it's Leonard Nimoy in the Star Trek sequel. Exactly. Let's let's call uncle Spock to find (laughs) out what's going on. So he can tell us what to do. Pop him in there. We have a nice little moment. We all go, Oh, Ghostbusters was fun. And then we move on. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, you don't have to have all the guys out there training them and okay, we're gonna hand you off hand off the reins to you. No, there can be the we we could actually have some pop culture fun with it too. There could be we could express the time that has passed by doing pop culture in jokes in the training of the new recruits. All right, we go back to 1984. And you go every five years from there, and you just think, pop culture-wise, so let's go 1994. If they had done a Ghostbusters sequel in 1994, 99, 2004, etc., who would have been the four comedians or three comedians of that time oh, that boy. would have been Ghostbusters? So that you then do that. <laughs> and then that's the, that's the joke, like the Charlie's Angels joke they did in the sequel is they just put pictures on the wall and they had fun with like there was a dreams uh god we're not gonna get too much into charlie's angels but there was a dream sequence in the sequel with drew barrymore's character imagining that she was still working as one of the three angels and it was set up in the world that every few years he hires three new angels so a previous one was demi moore and she had a dream sequence that she was still there. So who are her two new partners in the future? The Olsen twins. <laughs> so we could actually have pictures on the wall of like, well, here's the crew in 1995. It's Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, and Eddie Murphy. And, <laughs> and so you, you can do that. So who would have been the crew in 2009? Seth Rogen, James Franco, and uh, McLovin. <laughs> Jonah Hill, who knows? Jonah Hill. <laughs> So now you, you say, here's the new crew, and maybe they have to be trained, and then we get a cameo out of the blue from Jonah Hill, who comes in and says, yeah, I was a Ghostbuster for a while. So it's kind of like what they did with Demi Moore. She was somebody interstitial between the time of the television show and then the time of the movie. She was somewhere in there, was an angel. So we do the same thing. There's another cameo spot. But something like that would be fun to do. Sure. Yeah. Bring in all kinds of new players, and everybody's got their own kind of spin or their own story to it, and that type of thing. And yeah, and then it's just a matter of finding out how does a Ghostbusters LLC work in the modern day? Are they a corporation? Are they independently franchised, like a Subway restaurant? You can get your own franchise location. Oh, if we wanted to, we could have some fun with what I mentioned earlier about the animated TV series, and maybe you've got some like competitor or something like that out there, but they're doing things a little bit more dangerously because they're trying to do it on the cheap or something like that. They're causing some problems. That might be kind of fun to get into. Yeah, if you, it's like, well, 15 years ago, we figured out how to seal up the wall between this world and the other world and so ghostbusters isn't really catching ghosts anymore as much as figuring out how to keep that wall up between our world and the next and then some patching patching the holes so to speak yeah. and, and then some douchebag patches mcsteve jobs comes along with a technological device that says well we're gonna make money off of being a ghostbuster too and they call themselves ghost dash busters <laughs> and there's a lawsuit and, and all sorts of issues come up and so the new the the new uh modus operandi of the ghostbusters franchise now is to keep that wall up not catch ghosts 
Yeah, and you got to have some kind of actual like one of the things that worked so well in the first one was um, you know, real actual consequences and a feeling of danger and you know a good kind of villain thing to be fighting against, which or at least an amusing one with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, which we were saying we don't have in the second film. So yeah, have some real stakes in this thing. Have some fun with it again. I mean. It can be scary and comedic at the same time. We're both big fans of the uh, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead series kind of thinking and everything like that. And I think you got elements of that, certainly, especially in the original one. Have some fun with it again. Yeah, and they tried to do that in Ghostbusters, too. I mean, they made a throwaway mention of it at that the Ghostbusters went bankrupt because the city sued them for damages, and then they never mentioned it ever again and then just went on to create more crazy wacky havoc across the city that was never mentioned again yeah how did that work the case got dismissed in ghostbusters 2 and then it was like consequence free from there for any damages they incurred pretty much so (laughs) no insurance company in the world is gonna insure the ghostbusters so that's what lewis and janine have been trying to figure out for the last 25 years is how to get an insurance company to (laughs) <laughs> and, and that's how they figured it out. They figured out the the great ghost battles of 1998. <laughs> they, were able, they were able to solve the problem and seal up the portal between this world and the next. So now all the technology is meant to not just trap ghosts that come into our world, but to seal it off. I was going to say, I actually really like that angle because especially if you've got like competing outfits and um, the actual Ghostbusters are more about containment rather than just, you know, catching the things or potentially causing damage and that kind of stuff, then, um, you know, you can kind of raise the stakes quite easy when a bunch of holes appear in the wall or a bunch of stuff gets loose or whatever. And, um, yeah, they might have to go a little bit more old school and start chasing the things again. Yeah, that there you go. I was just thinking. I just had that little thought bubble. How about if you? They start off, and the first half of the movie is all oh, cool. I remember hearing about the Ghostbusters. I saw an old clip when they were on Larry King in 1984 on his radio <laughs> show or something, and that, that would be fun. And they have to come and sit down and say, "No, you're not out there shooting anymore." This could be a metaphor for gun control. It's like, well, we let the guns out of the box, but we we're trying to bring them back in, and other people are bringing it back out. So they say, well, we're you're not out there trying to catch them. You're out there trying to make sure all of these holes stay plugged and other people don't go out there and misuse this technology. And then people start going out there and misusing the technology, figuring out how to do it on their own. And so now the new crew has to be hired to learn how to do this shit. And so then you can bring in Dan Aykroyd to teach him how to use the old technology. Because yeah, no, like, nobody uses this stuff anymore. I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know two guys who use it. And they, they have to go find Ray Stance and Winston Zeddemore in, in retirement home somewhere. And they have to come back. And for a sequence of about five minutes, they have to show them how to use all the old dusty equipment from the 80s because – there's no need to upgrade it. It does what it does because it's chemical, not uh, like technological or computer-wise. So they they have to go back and use all the old damn equipment, put a strap, the nuclear accelerators on their back again. <laughs> and that's how you can bring in the old guys for their yeah. cameo. <laughs> because the new guys have to learn how to use the old shit. <laughs> 
and then they can bring up little... it's all in the ghostbusters museum they gotta break it all out hey well that's kind of what they did in the, the awful get smart movie oh yes <laughs> again they missed that one sorry <laughs> yeah you missed it by that much oh but I'm uh, oh it was not good but <laughs> it was in that same vein of we're going to acknowledge that Don Adams existed in the 60s in this universe. Steve Carell is just the new version of him. And so he had to break into the museum and steal the old car and shoe phone and stuff. So, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, you do that same thing with Ackroyd coming in and teaching the new kids how to use all this old shit. And uh, one of them can make it, they can make digs at him. Like, okay, Mr. Stance, I have a question for you. Yeah, is it about the equipment? No, it's. Did you actually get the Statue of Liberty to move from a Jackie Wilson song? <laughs> You're still making your toaster dance. <laughs> oh, I could just see somebody like Michael Sarah coming up to him and just going, are you still getting a toaster to dance? Somehow? <laughs> Can you show me how to get my toaster to dance? <laughs> That'd be really fun. Be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I like that Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, I'd watch it. <laughs> Fuck, let's write the thing. Let's just write it and pitch it. Again, if anyone ever wants to hire us to write <laughs> these things, we'll do it. Screw that. We just came up with a good idea. Let's just go ahead and write the damn thing and pitch. <laughs> you have to protect the wall, and now the wall is down. We need Ghostbusters. Real Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. We need the real Ghostbusters. <laughs> it all comes full circle. <laughs> and we can just play a little, like, sight gags. There can be a good ten minutes of the movie that's just devoted to good feelings from the audience, sight gags, where they have to go and get stuff. And the old equipment works, and the old traps work. And then when they're like, oh, cool, we got to do this all old school. So they jump in the car, and they drive it out. Uh, as I say it, I'm getting right back into that Get Smart remake, though, but the gag, where they drive the car out, and it gets 10 feet, and it just collapses and falls apart. It's like, oh. okay, <laughs> let's get another car. This thing's a piece of shit. <laughs> Actually, the sight gag I was thinking of that I would want the most is very simple. It's a uh, smirking Bill Murray up on the wall of whatever the new headquarters <laughs> is. It's some big smirking Bill Murray picture up there. No, that picture, that picture from Zombieland where he's up on the camel with the big Russian hat on. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's something like that would just be awesome. That would be fantastic. <laughs> And then you could do all sorts of callbacks without making it obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, don't they? It do it smart. Don't don't always just go for kind of the obvious stuff. Um, you know, and that's easy to sit here and say, "Oh yeah, do it, do it, so it doesn't suck." But um, yeah, I mean, make it make it so that maybe you think it's you know some of the jokes are going to go one way and they break the other way, that type of thing uh, to keep the audience engaged and. I mean, again, heaping more praise on the original one, it it was smart. <laughs> exactly, and you don't, and you don't have to do this reboot to where, okay, we've got to get Dan Aykroyd in here. How do we do that? It's more like what we just did organically. Here's the characters that would be created in this situation. Oh wait, we actually need to have Dan Aykroyd in here to explain something in here, like. Like bringing Nimoy into Star Trek. 
they needed him because the time travel aspect required somebody to explain what the hell was going on. Yeah, I agree. You got to do this stuff organically. Otherwise, it's just, <laughs> hey, remember this guy? Well, he was important. Here he is. <laughs> It's it's Jawas at the uh, at the racing track. Yeah, <laughs> sand, sand people, people at the racing track. track. Yeah, there they are. Remember them? <laughs> yeah, I do. And that one half second, George Lucas is the only thing I liked about that. Like, <laughs> oh look, something I like. Oh, it's gone. Oh, that was familiar. And oh, it's gone. Uh, no, to... Annie, <laughs> please stop. <laughs> we were done with Star Wars. Yeah, we're, we're not we go. going back. <laughs> Okay, let's write this damn thing. Let's just go ahead and write Ghostbusters 3. We'll call it, uh, let's mix the songs together. It's Ghostbusters. Who are you going to, what was Bobby Brown's song called? Oh, God, I knew you were going to Oh, crap. Uh, Bobby Brown. I can, I can remember, like, the lyrics. Uh, it's like, take the call or something like that. I guess we're going to have to take the call. I guess we're going to have to take. But, like what the title of it was I, uh, that could be the title the I don't know. just mix the titles it's Ghostbusters who are you going to call Bobby Brown Bobby Brown <laughs> <laughs> there's a subtitle and there's our sequel <laughs> somebody call me <laughs> <laughs> who are you going to call Bobby Brown <laughs> good let's do it <laughs> and we have now locked up the worst title. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody take that one. <laughs> we have securely crafted the worst the title. Dumbest title in the history of cinema. <laughs> Who are you going to call Bobby, Bobby Brown? Brown. <laughs> you know, you have to put Ghostbusters on there. That's the title. Who are you going to call dot 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 Bobby Brown? <laughs> I don't get it. What's this movie about? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. You won't you won't, you won't like it. It's based on stuff from the eighties before you were born. Damn kids. I like it. Let's write it. And of course, as soon as we would pitch it to somebody, it'd say, you know, we could make a fine television show out of this. Like, can you? I don't think you can. This is trying it with Batman right now, sir. Do what? I said they're trying it with Batman right now, sir. Yeah, but that works. I mean, you, you listen to podcasts that I listened to where they talked about how to do a Batman TV show and you can figure out the arc of four seasons beautifully. How you do that for Ghostbusters, I don't know. I would be too worried, and I guess this would be kind of a concern uh, with any kind of reboot or something like that, of it just being taken too seriously. I think especially if you ever did go like the TV route with this, I, I think people would be tempted to take it way too seriously. Yeah, but you couldn't... Unfortunately, I think you could do Ghostbusters too easily for TV, but it would be horrible kind because it would be the the freak of the week, the ghost of the week. It's yeah, um, you definitely you definitely fall into that pattern at least early on. I don't know; they could probably build up some kind of mythos to make it more interesting. But yeah, out of the gate, I think you're right; they'd get into the ghost of the week type of thing. And for all we just said about how. You need to get more into the characters of Egon and Ray and and Venkman. 
but I don't think they're deep enough characters to extend out for a television season. I think they're meant for that every few years movie. Right. They fight the big whatever it is and move on from that. They're skim the surface characters, not let's find out what caused Pete Fankman's life history to get to this point. Nah, <laughs> that's not necessary at all. Because then you'd find episode five, and here's why he loves to play the piano. Remember that time he played the piano with his fingers in her apartment? There's a reason for that. <laughs> here's why he's anti-junk <laughs> food. He's anti-junk food. <laughs> yeah. As long as we have a big Twinkie in here somewhere, we're, <laughs> we're in good shape. <laughs> Sponsored by a hostess. Who also became ghosts and came back. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of a Twinkie. Ghosts of the Twinkie. There you go. <laughs> Ghostbusters 3. Ghosts of the Twinkie. <laughs> of the television series, The Ghosts of the Twinkie. <laughs> Twinkie Ghosts. <laughs> Oh, that's outstanding. All right. We I, I, go totally meta on this thing, people. I, I say we write it. I say we do it. All right. Do it. Ghostbusters 3. Search for Bobby Brown. I like it. I'm excited to be a part of this plan. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Insert clip here. <laughs> outstanding. Do we have anything more to say about Ghostbusters? Uh no, I think uh I think we've done a good day's work here. I think it's Milla time. Whoa, somebody's <laughs> coming. Somebody's, somebody's coming. coming. Yeah. All right, well, Ghostbusters, they uh Mara wants to talk to you. Yeah, should probably split. Wants to rap with us about some things. we could just keep going wanting to know if we could see the storage facility oh, well all right well now we know who you're gonna call us to write this script or bobby brown or bobby brown because <laughs> he may show up <laughs> <laughs> oh twinkie busters <laughs> get her that was your whole plan. Get her. Are you, Alice, menstruating right now? What has that got to do with it? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. I'm gonna have a shower. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. Where are we? Oh, looks like we're in the teens. But when we get to 20, tell me. I'm going to throw up. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. You know, Mr. Tully, you are a most fortunate individual. I know. You have been a participant in the biggest interdimensional cross-rip since the Tunguska Blast of 1909. Felt great. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Okay. Okay, but... Ah! Ted, Annette! Hey! Glad you could come. How you doing? Give me your coats. Everybody, this is Ted and Annette Fleming. Hi, how are 
Ted has a small carpet cleaning business in receivership, and that's drawing a salary from a deferred bonus from two years ago. They got 15,000 left on the house at 8%. So they're okay.